Masonic Light Podcast. This is Past Master Moyer calling in with my critique slash review of episode 97, Digital Order Nights of the Quarantine. I was able to participate in this um, play, we'll call it. That's what Maris calls it. It's not a degree. Thought it uh, went real well, and uh, everybody did a great job. My only complaint is uh, the call-in was not me. For a previous episode, it was Larry Maris complaining about my part. Maris, I was not eating potato chips. I was rustling papers. And if you're sick but wouldn't have been in the hospital and you would have participated in rehearsals, you would have seen that the writer, editor, director, brainchild behind this whole um, endeavor, Jack Carley, had instructions in my part to be rustling papers when I first started to talk. So once again, you boob, you don't know what you're talking about, go back to sleep, go to the bathroom, do whatever it is you normally do on an episode, but stop picking on me. I'm too far advanced. You're not near smart enough to wrap circles logically around me. Anyway, guys, I think I'm all caught up. I don't think there's an episode 98, so I'll be in touch soon. Bye. From the new recording lair located deep beneath the Wine and Spirit Store in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. You're listening to the Masonic Light Podcast. Studio 665 presents Masonic Light Podcast. This show is recorded by Masons, for Masons, and is for entertainment purposes only. And please, no wagering. This podcast is not endorsed by any Grand Lodge, and the ridiculous ramblings of the hosts are their own. And now, here's your host. Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's episode 98. 98. 98. Oh, my God. We need to start party planning, guys. Come on. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to do for one of the big 100. Larry, what did you do for your 100th birthday? For my 100th birthday? Uh, spent it in the hospital. Oh. <laughs> so, Larry, welcome back. This is your official welcome back since you weren't on the uh, last show because you left too early. Yeah, because I was still very much in the weak side. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad to be back, really. Glad to be uh, able to participate in a whole show. Ooh. Did he just say a hole show? Yeah, well, it's kind of, oh god, yeah, we're, we're gonna run out of these jokes. Man. We have to pace ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Larry, so tell we'll start with you. Tell our audience what you've been up to since they've heard from you last. Well, since they've heard from me last, trying to slowly regain my voice back, which hasn't been an easy task. I've been doing very, very well on the recuperation front, actually very well, and uh, I'm just totally glad to be back. But masonically, I really haven't done much of anything, but you guys, uh, and that's that's it's been a real trip right there, by the way, and I'm glad I was able to do that. So it's good to be back, and uh, each day I get better and better and better. Today I actually walked the length of the house with a cane. So I'm, I'm not using, uh, I am using a walker, obviously, 
Um, but uh, I, I started walking with a cane. And I'll tell you, after using a walker for like weeks and walking with a cane, it was a hell of a different experience. Whoa. But anyway, it's, it's good to be back. So I haven't done anything Masonically at all, really. Well, continue to get well. That's what we all want. Yep, yep, yep. Tim, what do you have going on? Well, in the last two weeks, um, I've done a ton of Zoom calls. Um, of course, our nightly toast that we've been doing, we've been averaging, I don't know, 15, 16 guys a night on that. Um, still getting a variety of folks um, from uh, all over Pennsylvania and several states uh, that a couple guys have become like regulars on this. Um and I guess uh, other than that, uh, I joined in on the uh, Ubar Grotto calls this past week, um, where we played the uh, Digital Knights of the Quarantine uh, for, I think, what were there, three people on there that hadn't seen it before? Yeah, it was, it was the two of us and three others. <laughs> so I think the uh, Monarch was... Uh, a little disappointed by the turnout, but uh, anyway. Um, yeah, that's been about it for the last couple of weeks. All righty. Josh, what have you been up to? Uh, not a whole lot. Just uh, getting ready for uh, for our upcoming Zoom meeting for Lamberton Lodge number 476. Uh, put together the notice that we still send out. Um, and uh, we're, we're planning on having... Now, this is going to be after probably our next show even, but we're planning on th- doing a, like something on the night of the anniversary um, of Lamberton because it's our 150th this year. Uh, so we're thinking about maybe doing like a little Zoom uh, party thing, toasts, and and maybe some, some history of the lodge or whatever. But uh, just been kind of kicking that around and, and trying to figure out something to do. Well, here's my, my one tip. The, uh, the first... Worshipful Master of Lamberton Lodge is buried in that Episcopal Cemetery on Duke Street. Oh, okay. I think we should all someday just walk down there in our outfits just and, I don't know, do a little something-something graveside. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Um, definitely. We'll have to uh, set it up. Jack, what's going on in Ephrata? Uh, we're just we're all afraid of anything different. So that's all that's going on here. The Masonically, nothing. I, I haven't, I'm, I'm a little, um, I'm going to be honest, I'm a little, um, I don't know if I want to say disappointed or what with um, with leadership. Um, you know, I, I, I wish that our guys would stay better in touch with the members. And uh, I don't, you know, I'm at a point where I'm a pet grumpy past master, so I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, step on people's toes, but it's been an awfully long time since there was a, a Zoom meeting or a, a reach out. We tried to do that 20 for 20, you know, where, where we reached out, 20 guys reached 20 people. Um, and that was nice, but that was, you know, six weeks ago. And it's, you, you have to stay in touch with people. That's what, that's a, a big part of what this fraternity is about. And I would like to see more of that. So for me, uh, other than that, it's been we, we had several publications ask for an article about the degree. Um, so I was working on that, but now all that's been done and submitted and sent off. So 
So now we're just uh, packing envelopes full of mules. Yeah, that's been my life. Um, I learned a lot of lessons on this project, um, collecting information from like five different sources and trying to collate it. So if we ever do this again, it'll be done much better. But uh, we had no idea that f- people would buy 500 of these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were talking yeah. like what, like 20 people? 50 oh, people maybe? Listen, when they see this this alternative jewel, the naughty jewel, I, I think you're going to sell another couple of hundred of those. They're gorgeous, those jewels. And yeah, it's really sinister. It looks like right out of Fallout. Oh my word, they're fantastic. Um, so yeah, that that's exciting. Um, but definitely, uh, definitely did it the hard way for sure. <laughs> All right, well, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to have a little discussion here about what do we think is going to come out of this on the Masonic front. Why choose George J. Grove & Sons for your next home improvement project? At George J. Grove & Sons, we've built our reputation on quality and trust for more than 50 years. For planning to materials to installation, George J. Grove promises a home improvement experience second to none. Whether your goal is reducing energy costs, decreasing maintenance, updating curb appeal, or simply increasing the value of your home, the George J. Grove team will recommend and provide solutions that stand the test of time. Call 717-393-0859 for an estimate or visit us at georgejgrove.com. Welcome back. Gravelly voice myself is uh, trying to get my voice strength. And so basically what we're going to do is talk about, hey, Jack, what did I say we're going to talk about? (laughs) You need to to ask him to restart those drugs, Larry. We've missed you, Larry. (laughs) Something Um, about how is is the face of Freemasonry going to change after what we've been through with this pandemic or whatever you want to call it? Uh, how's it going to affect us? I guess that's what we're going to talk about. Very good, Larry. Well done. Okay. Yes. I remember it, but not in the exact order. Anyway. Close enough. Words hey, to that anyway. Well, you know, how do you think it's going to change? Who, me? Yeah. Oh. Um, I. You know, I, I think it's going to distill down uh, to be something uh, similar but different. I think the the age, the post World War II boom is done. Uh, there's a there's a few guys that are are still with us, and that's wonderful. But the, the what what turned it into a giant complicated bowling league is over, and the people that are in it and are active are looking for something more than that. They're looking for something different, and we've talked about this a million times. And I think this is this is going to accelerate that change. So uh, the people that are looking for the esoteric stuff 
have found a whole bunch of new sources for it. And people that are looking for fellowship have found digital sources for it. Um, and, and people that are looking for the history part of it, you know, all of those five aspects that we talked about previous episodes, all of those are going to distill down, I think, and become, um, solid channels of fewer people, but more, more interested and more dedicated. That's my opinion. Uh, How about you? Uh, about you, Tim, what do you think? Well, in many ways, I agree with Jack. I think, um, we will come back slowly. Um, I think there will be people once our lodges are open who will make the conscious decision that um, it's just not in their best interest right now to come back right away. And I think uh, eventually that we, you know, obviously once vaccines are found and things like that, we may see a return to that. But I think Jack's probably right in the sense that um, the this is an opportunity for uh, the post World War II group, I guess, uh, that's how we refer to it, uh, to really uh, make Freemasonry what they've been saying they want it to be, what we say we want it to be. Um, and I think you're starting to see that already in some some ways. I mean, I think I've heard that. I know I've heard that um, in conversations uh, on the nightly toast calls we have from the younger guys. Um I think um, it will I, I think there will still be some um, rough patches uh, that we go through with that because uh, obviously um, things in Freemasonry don't change uh, quickly and uh, it will take a while. But uh, I think uh, what we are going to become will be very different than what we just left. I think um, you're certainly going to see a lot more um, family-centered um, things within Freemasonry because uh, I know within the younger members within my lodge, um, they face many of the things that those who came into Freemasonry at a younger age faced, which is trying to find that balance between uh, home life, work life, um, church life, if they uh, have that, uh, and Freemasonry. And um, I think uh, for some um, it got down to, you know, home life versus Freemasonry. I think with the younger folks, obviously, uh, they're, they have more interests that are out there. And I think you're going to see that come into play, uh, perhaps more so than what we've seen in the last, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 years. Josh, you're uh, currently a master of lodge. Uh, what, what's your take on the, uh, the new reality that uh, may be uh, descending on us. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of weird. Um, Rob and I were just talking about this earlier today, actually. I, I just think it's going to be a little odd coming back for meetings um, whenever we do start meeting in person, uh, just because, you know, the whole getting together for dinner. Um, if we're still supposed to be kind of doing all the social distancing and all that, at least for a little while, I think it's going to be a little weird, like trying to get things going again and, and just trying to yeah. get back in the swing of things, I guess. But um, 
You know, I think overall, uh, what Jack was saying about, you know, people, things kind of distilling down into, into what, you know, the people, the individual members are looking for. I, I think that's what's eventually is really going to happen. It's not going to be, you know, I think everybody is trying to join everybody. And there, there's still going to be lots of people that, that want to join all the bodies and want to be really active in, in everything. But I think people are really going to start to focus more on um, what their interests are and being, you know, more engaged in those interests as opposed to, you know, just kind of generally participating in every single thing that can possibly happen. I think people are really going to start to focus more on, you know, the quality of what what they're getting out of it. Um, so, yeah, that's a good perspective, especially from someone who is actually sitting in the east and the things that you're going to have to deal with. I uh, appreciate that answer, Pete. What do you think? Do you think this what we've been through is going to prompt? Maybe more mergers of lodges. You think are you think that's going to change things? You think there are going to be maybe smaller lodges merging together with other smaller lodges in order to survive? How, what do you think about that? Well, I just I think it's different in every area. I only know our area. So in the first Masonic district, it's what nine or ten lodges, and that's all within one county. So you can drive from one end of the county to the other end of the county in 30, 30, 40 minutes. That's just too much. Um, you know, I, I could see maybe maintaining two or three buildings, but we don't need to maintain nine buildings. We can still have local lodges and in name and for membership and doing community functions. But I, I just can't see... I know for myself, this time off has been amazing. I had no idea. (laughs) Like, I mean, I was out three, probably three nights a week. And it's just sometimes, right? Right. And I know when we go back, I'm going to be very excited to go back to like two or three things. Um, and I'm really going to focus on them. I'm going to really wind down some of the, I'm going to keep paying my dues, but I'm, you know, you're probably not going to see me as often at, at some of these other bodies. Just I'm enjoying this time with my family and my house. And that's, that's what I was uh, referring to when I say, um, and 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 we're kind of in that in between age. I think all of us, uh, you know, Larry might be on the other end, but um, you know, there there is that balance, that life balance that I think, uh, Pete, I think you articulated it very well. Um, we've kind of come to see it during this time, and I think it can't help but have an effect on what this looks like on the other side. I do think, Larry, to directly answer your question. I think we were going to see a consolidation of lodges regardless. Um, I think this will ramp that up. Um, I know there are lodges out there right now that, um, you know, they depend on the revenue uh, of their rentals to pay their bills. And they're not getting that right now. They haven't been getting that. And so um, the, um, 
the sick list, if you will, of lodges, I think is just going to get bigger. Uh, it has gotten bigger. And um, I think I think you're going to see much more consolidation. And I think it's not just within blue lodges. I think there are all of these bodies that Pete talked about um, that are going to have to take a hard look at themselves as well. Um, I think there are some that have actually excelled during this time. I think the work that um, the Scottish Rite of the Northern Masonic Jurisdiction has done with their video degrees. Um, if you've been a part of any of those things and just watched the stuff going on in the chats, uh, people love those things. And so, um, you know, the ability to come wherever you are and sit and enjoy that and enjoy, I, they haven't asked my opinion on this, but, uh, I'll give it anyway. Uh, I think if they provided an opportunity for some fellowship and follow up after those things, I think you could well see guys saying, why the heck would I want to go to a reunion and sit in a room where I fall asleep after lunch, um, and watch these on a stage play when I can watch them you know, very professionally produced in the comfort of my own home while I'm smoking a cigar and having a nice bourbon. Yeah. The, the production values are, are pretty amazing. Um, Off the charts, really. Yeah. They, they, they took that from us. I think. Yes, they did. I think they took their lead definitely from definitely, that. Definitely. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what is there after? What? You think we should take a break right now? Larry, do you, need, do you need to take a break, Larry? Um, no, actually, I, I don't. I, can put, I, I have a jug for that. I don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll take a break anyway, and we'll be back with more on this discussion. <laughs> At the historic Smithton Inn of Ephrata, Pennsylvania, we're pleased to serve the latest creations from Weathered Vineyard Winery, along with spirits from Thistle Finch Distillery in Lancaster, all to be experienced in the tasting room of a beautifully restored 18th century bed and breakfast. Cigars by DNS Cigar are available for your enjoyment in the courtyard. The historic Smithton Inn is convenient to Lancaster County's most interesting attractions just minutes from the Ephrata Cloister and the Green Dragon Farmer's Market, and a short drive can get you to charming Lidditz, thriving downtown Lancaster, as well as Hershey, Bird in Hand, and Intercourse, or Valley Forge and Gettysburg. Whether you're looking for a romantic getaway or an active vacation full of sightseeing and attractions, the historic Smithton Inn will be a welcoming oasis from everyday life, one that you'll want to visit again and again. Stop in and visit at 900 West Main Street in Ephrata, Pennsylvania, or check out our website at historicsmithtoninn.com, or simply call us at 717-733-6094. Just ask for Passmaster Dave. So the, um, the thing that concerns me is whether... Uh, whether the distance thing is going to be um, impossible to, to, to deal with if, if there's a, if there's a mass consolidation, like, okay, do we need Reading and Harrisburg? I don't know. I mean, we're talking about Pennsylvania here because that's what we know. Right. Well, you, you don't need Lancaster there. You, you certainly don't need 
a valley in Lancaster. Um, but, but it's always been there and, you know, that's the way we always did it. Um, you know, the, I, I don't know, are, are people going to be willing to drive? And I know this is going to sound ridiculous to the people in Texas or Montana, but, but do people, are people here going to be willing to drive an hour and a half to a fraternal meeting? Well, how about the people in Northwestern Pennsylvania where they had seven lodges consolidate into one a year or so ago, and it's now like a two-hour drive to go to a lodge meeting? Yeah. I just don't see it. I, I, I don't see that. I see that being less sustainable than than more lodges. And, and some of it comes down to if people had been careful about their money. I mean, when I hear about 150-year-old lodges that don't have any money, Come on. Well, really? In 150 years, nobody ever figured out how to save a little money? Really? That, that's, that's just bad stewardship. And, oh, yeah. and, and I, I hate to even hear those kinds of things. But, but I, I don't know. I, 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 I question. Yeah, I, yeah it, it's good. I don't know. It's going to be weird. I question whether um, a lot of these bodies are, are going to be sustainable just in general. Well, I think on. it comes down to anything can work if there's some effort put into it. Like I would drive an hour and a half for a good evening. Like I watched that presentation on, um, I guess, Netflix about the, the lodges in England. And, you know, they're not meeting two, three times a month they have a meeting like every other month or so, and it's an event. And you go there, and you you're there from like four thirty till maybe ten o'clock at night. And it's a. I just think people need to put a little more work into their programs to make it something that people want to attend. So how do you, I mean? How do you do that? The problem is, lodges, well, the lodges around here don't fail because they're they're broke. <laughs> they fail because you, you they you can't get. You can't get leaders. Yeah. Right. Oh, what, now you're going to ask them to put on, to do better. And one that, of the things that I, yeah, I'm sorry. No, one of the things ahead. I noticed when I was at the uh, Lodge of Research in England, they had basically about an hour and a half, two hour meeting. And then they adjourned to a festive board. And that went on till one o'clock in the morning. Food, drink. I mean, it was fabulous. I went to the, uh, the, uh, oh, the lodge up in Allentown that, uh, what do you call those? You know, traditional Observance Lodge. Traditional Observant Lodge. And I attended that in Allentown where they essentially had a one-hour meeting with a program, very good, and then adjourned to the restaurant, Brazilian Steakhouse, for about a three-hour session after that. Right. It was probably, both of those meetings were some of the finest experiences I've ever had in Freemasonry. And I think the key to, for, for lodges to succeed now is to do something like that. Yeah. See, here's, here's, here's my opinion on that. Like I, me personally, I think that would be great to have that kind of an experience. But if I look at the members of Lamberton Lodge and most of them don't want that. Yeah, that's true. Well, but I think that's where – what Jack was talking about. And, and, and I mean, I don't want to pick on Lamberton because there are other lodges that are like that, but I think those will continue to exist right. and they'll just continue to decline until the numbers don't 
matchup. And then someone at the Grand Lodge or somewhere says, okay, um, you got to merge. And, 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 you know, I, I think, I, I think maybe we have to, for a while do both. Yeah. We have to, we have to raise that level of interesting meetings, but we have to sustain that standard meeting that guys come out to. And I, I tried to do this when I was mastered 10, 12 years ago and, and keep the old guys, you know, status quo as it was, but, but bring other new stuff, extracurricular stuff. And now, you know, we found some of these other more nuanced bodies that provide some of that, but you know, there's, there's, uh, there's requirements, there's, uh, you know, other memberships that you have to have in order to qualify for this or that. And who, who knows how many of those there are. But um, it may be that there's a secondary level that we can get going, even within the lodges, like Josh at Lamberton. And again, not to pick on Lamberton, but, you know, maybe there's a small group assembly that could really build some momentum under the radar. Um, maybe, it, maybe at Ephrata, there's 10 guys who would really like to get together and, and read interesting papers and discuss them. Um. I don't know whether there are or aren't. Well, see, to me, that's what these appendant bodies should be. If we have a, a, a chapter, a council, and a commandery, all Lancaster, plus AMD and uh, Grotto and Tall Cedars, every one of the one of these bodies should take that mantle and be the the place. If you want, you want to join. If you want to take your things to this level, if you want to have a nice social dinner with your spouse. Maybe it's tall cedars. If you want to go drinking with the guys, maybe it's a grotto. You know, in every region, it's going to be a little different because they're all, you know, I've been to areas where grotto's boring. Um, but yeah, around here, grotto's fun. So I don't know. I just think the, the blue lodges probably just need to continue to be a blue lodge. Well, and I, but I think there's going <clears> to, <throat> you're going to see growth in the way that they operate as well. Because I mean, a good example, um, our current master um, last. Let's see. I'm trying to remember if he did it. Yeah, it was last summer when he was putting together his line and his program for the for this year. Um, had a cookout at his house, and we were able to run numbers. And I provided him with the names and phone numbers and email addresses of all of our members under the age of fifty. And they were actually more than we thought. Um, then um, he invited them to a cookout and they had a Saturday where they just kind of enjoyed each other's company. And uh, basically what he said to them was, look, uh, I want to, I want to begin the process of making this your lodge. Um, I'm, you know, he, he's on the front end of that uh, age range, but he recognizes that, um, you know, the, the 70, 80 and 90 year old members are the ones that are leaving us um, involuntarily. But uh, the future is going to be those folks. And they've continued that type of get-together. I think things like, um, as you mentioned, uh, appendant bodies, uh, even things like the Cigar Lodge, which are uh, specific things that bring people together for whatever the subject is, I think can be part of this 
transformation of the fraternity. So it'd be nice in, and, and leave me like our, our, the district deputy around here, like all, like all district deputies and masters is overwhelmed with, you know, keeping the ship afloat. Uh But I think there almost needs to be a, um, I don't know, some sort of committee or some sort of group that tries to focus on Freemasonry as a whole for a region. So, I mean, just the little things we've always talked about, like why are these two bodies having an event on the same night and both having crappy attendance? Like just trying to map out where we want, because we're all, at least in this area, we're all Pennsylvania Masons. So let's figure out a way that we can work together to help everybody instead of working, you know, working against each other. Good I'm sorry, idea. that's not how we did it in my day. <laughs> I mean, there was a day when this fraternity was so popular that, you know, if the guys that you're hanging out with didn't meet your idea of what you wanted, you got together with 20 or 30 guys and you created something new. And we, everybody kept doing that. Now we have, you know, as many bodies as we have members. Yeah, very true. I mean, think about it in, in Lancaster, we had a tiny little lodge room in the 1700s and probably in the 1960s after, you know, it was, they had three separate lodges. Now it got turned into, um, and then they bought a bigger building. Well, now we've got this massively huge building and two lodges that really ought to be one. Like, <laughs> it's, but we don't want to go backwards because that's, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I just think, I, I think it's, we can't change the structure of it, right? Right. We, we can't say, all right, now you five appended bodies, we need to sit down and have a, uh, uh, a big powwow and you, you need, we're, we're all going to coordinate, but I, I don't believe that that's possible. Uh, even if it were possible here, it wouldn't be possible around the country. So it doesn't, it doesn't hold. I think what we have to do is concentrate somewhere. And I always, always believe that that somewhere is blue lodge because if the blue lodge is healthy, everything else follows without a healthy blue lodge, everything else dies. So, the the we need to we need to really start giving those people the in blue lodge what it is they're looking for and josh if it's if it's they just want to come and hear the minutes and complain about something um and and eat a piece of pie and go home then we have to give that to them but if we if there's a bunch of guys that want to you know do a deep dive on the allegory of the cave then we need to give that to them. And, 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 and it, it just, I, you know, it keeps coming back to that. And every time I want to fix the fraternity, it keeps coming back to the blue lodge and we have to, we have to just maximize the blue lodge and everything else will take care of itself one way or another. But uh, unfortunately I think we're all in agreement that uh, the next year or two are going to be some uh, dark times number wise. Oh, so uh, here, interesting um, thing. One of our uh, one of our past masters at Ephrata went into the secretary's minute books from 1917 and 1918, 
when the Spanish flu was ripping through the country. And the lodge, our lodge, Effort Lodge, at that point was eight, seven and eight years old. Didn't miss a single meeting all year. We brought in like seven new members the first year and 14 new members the second year. All of those guys got three degrees. So, but World War One had just ended too, and there's a lot of guys looking for things to do. Granted, but here, but it was it was it was the high water mark of the Spanish flu pandemic. So, um, you know, the lodge made it through that, and made it through the Great Depression, and made it through World War Two, and you know, just the lodge. As long as we keep stoking it. The lodge will be there. We just have Larry, to- Larry, you were around. What tell us about with the Spanish flu and the depression? Well, I was really born right after that. So <laughs> all I can remember is my grandmother and grandfather talking about it. Oh. Well, I think they, once again they, they they all lost relatives and they never really talked that much about it. Well, I think we did a good job once again of trying to solve the problems of the world. Um, Didn't let's we take another episode part. about a year and a half ago. Yeah. And apparently nothing took, right. <laughs> yeah, let's keep after it then. Um, but this is how we always do it. So, <laughs> so let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll hear, uh, are we going to hear from Dutchie Doug this week? I think. And, uh, we'll be right back. Brethren, Dutchy Doug here with another story from my lodge, the Brogan Plaw number 377. In my last segment, I told you guys about us having a meeting when we shouldn't have. Well, I finally got the message that the Grand Master sent out about ceasing all Masonic activities until further notice. And since I'm the secretary, I passed the word on to all of our brethren. For most of us, the Lodge is our only contact with someone that isn't a close relative, a bovine, an equine, or a member of the poultry family. Many of our members took the news pretty darn hard. Going to Lodge was our one night a month that got us off the farm and away from our wives. Many of the brothers decided that we can't just cut off all communication. Discussion was had as to how we could keep our fraternal activities going. Some suggested using Zoom, but sadly, some of our brethren don't have high-speed internet. Heck, some of our brethren don't even know what the internet is, let alone have a digital meeting. After much discussion, it was decided that we would all agree on a night in April when we would each light a bonfire in our barnyards. We'd all grab a drink of choice, sit down, and enjoy our communal fires. Since many of us all live in the same hollow, we can all see smoke from each other's farmhouse chimneys, so the idea of communal bonfires was an idea which we could all get behind. I passed the word to the brethren that April 15th would be the date. At exactly 7 p.m. we would all light a bonfire at our respective properties and we would all say a toast to the lodge and its officers. Now as some of you know, guys playing with fire can lead to problems. There had always been a friendly feud between two families in our lodge. Of course, each family wanted their bonfire to be the largest and the most visible. Yes, the Schmitz and the Jaegers. Those two families had been at odds since Lincoln was in the White House. 
Some of us had heard about them trying to outdo each other again, and we were all interested to see how it would all play out. The main problem was that the Schmitz weren't the brightest bunch. Just how slow are they? Well, let's just say that they keep their manure pile right next to their well. In any event, 7 p.m. came and slowly trails of white smoke started to waft throughout our valley. It was really neat sight. I lifted my glass of Applejack, toasted the lodge, and took a sip. I settled down for a nice quiet evening and lit a real nice cigar. As I was sitting there, I kept my eyes in the direction of the Schmidt and Jaeger farms, just waiting to see what would happen. Slowly, one farm smoke trail got larger than the other. Then the fire started to get brighter and brighter. It really was neat to see. At one point, I could actually see the flames from the tip of the Jaeger's fire. To be honest, it was a pretty sight. This had to set off the Schmitz, because after the fact, I found out that little Josie Schmidt decided to up the ante. He ran into the barn and grabbed what he thought was a bag of old sawdust to throw on the fire. What he didn't realize was that it was a bag of old fertilizer. Little brother Josie had no idea what he was about to do. Within seconds of throwing the bag onto the fire, BOOM! An explosion rocked the valley. I was knocked off my chair and my glass of Applejack went flying. After the fact, all of this reminded me of how we are taught to use the compasses to keep our desires within due bonds. Brother Josie must not have listened to that part of the degree. However, this story does not end in sorrow. Within seconds of the explosion, the Jaeger boys ran to the Schmidt's farm to make sure that all was okay. Luckily, everyone escaped the explosion with all of their digits still attached. Brother John Jaeger helped Brother Josie Schmidt back to his feet using a proper Masonic grip. They embraced each other and both agreed that this nonsense between their families has to stop. Brotherly love and affection won the day, but I must admit, it did make the night sky pretty darn beautiful, even if it was only for a split second. Till next time, work hard, stay plumb, and on the lights when you leave the room. And we're back. Uh, it's great to hear from all of our regular Masonic Light podcast contributors. Um, so uh, I think we're going to start to wrap things up here. Um, let's uh, see what uh, everyone has going on over the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, Pete, let's start with you. Um, really, for the next week or so, my goal is to get all these stinking jewels out to people that I can, um, try to make everybody happy there. And whenever that is cleaned up, I'm going to be focusing my uh, efforts on our next production that's going to come out maybe in, in August sometime, which will be the... Um, Knights of the Zoroasters, and that is a an old degree that was that was um, designed specifically for the Demolin Company to kind of provide a reason for you to buy their hazing equipment. <laughs> uh, it was written in 1897, so uh, we're you know going through there and we're. 
yeah, we're trying we're, to modern politically correcting a bunch of we're, stuff. We're modernizing it. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll make sure you get you know, anybody that has it when we're done has access to the old degree. But in 1897, there was some very overt racism that uh, we want to get totally get away from. Um, and some of the jokes just don't stand up today. So, and I'm planning on doing the illustrations again. So I'll be doodling from now until August. All right, Jack, how about you? Nothing. All right. Uh, uh, Pete's dogs have something to say. Yeah, well, my wife took one of them for a walk and then locked him in the other room behind a baby gate. Oh, that was so, good. He's upset. I will say, I was, I was at Pete's house today, and it was wonderful to walk in and be greeted by two happy, friendly Dobermans who did not want to rip my throat out. It was awesome. <laughs> You have to admit, though, there was a little uh, had to been some hesitancy as you walked up the sidewalk. I, I, I yes, there was definitely some uh, some PTSD happening there, but but I got through it and <laughs> we had a nice time. Well, the big red one and the little blue one are both nice. the The two uh, ones I had before were not so nice, but <laughs> okay. Josh, how about you? Uh, not, not really a whole lot. Uh, just the stuff I kind of mentioned earlier. Um, you know, we got our zoom meeting coming up, uh, next, next week, I guess. And then, uh, later in the month, we're hoping to do something special for our 150th. Great. Larry. No, same as Jack and most of you guys, not a whole lot of anything. Okay. Well, I've actually got a couple of things. Um, Obviously, as I've reported on the last several of these shows, uh, every night at 9 o'clock Eastern, we have the uh, nightly toast. Um, you can get details on that on our website. Uh, on uh, Monday, June the 1st, Eureka Westshore Lodge number 302 uh, is going to sponsor a blood drive. I'm sorry. That is Monday, June the 8th. Monday, June 8th. Um, that is outside now the two week window, uh, uh, of when we can start to have events, um, from 10 AM to 7 PM. Um, you must have a, uh, an appointment. Uh, and so members of, uh, Eureka West Shore Lodge will be contacted, uh, about setting up an appointment, or if you would like to donate blood and you're in the central Pennsylvania area, uh, you can call the central Pennsylvania blood center and schedule your appointment on Monday, June the 8th from 10 to 7 p.m., 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. And then, um, assuming we continue down this road of uh, reopening and starting to get back to green, uh, on Sunday, September the 13th, um, a joint gathering uh, of the Cigar Lodge and the Valley of Harrisburg are uh, jointly hosting a pig roast, cigar smoker, uh, and also uh, any candidates from any of the valleys in Pennsylvania that had people uh, who were scheduled to get their fourth degree in the spring uh, can bring them there. There will be a, I don't know if it's going to be a showing or a performing of the fourth degree for those people. Um, but, uh, you can go to the Valley, the, uh, the uh, Valley of Harrisburg website, 
and get tickets for that. Uh, they're on sale, $25 a piece, I believe it is. Uh, and that'll be a family event. So uh, folks can come if you have uh, people interested uh, in Scottish Rite Masonry or want to come hang out at the Cigar Lodge or, frankly, at that point, just looking for something to do on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, go to the Valley of Harrisburg at, at www.valleyofharrisburg.org and you can get those tickets. Um, I think that's about it for now. So, um, Josh, I think it's time to cue the chickens and Larry, take us out of here. All right, here we go. Special thanks to Everett Lodge 665 for making their broadcast studio available. Although we haven't been there since the middle of March. But we're still thanking him anyway because we are assuming it's still there for us to use. Pretty sure. Thanks. Yeah. We have a lot of bandwidth there that we're not using. <laughs> Thanks to Josh Leverton, producer and director, who continues to make the show great. And I'm sorry, but the more I talk, the more my voice fades. Thanks to Jack Harley, our news director, Tim Dedman, our marketing director. Our Masonic Light podcast contributors, Michelle Snyder, Jim Stevens, and Doug Mattenberg. And I just wanted to close by saying, I had a friend, I just learned this, who was killed by a weasel. He was walking by the railroad track and he didn't hear the weasel. Oh, no. <laughs> this, is, this is Larry Maris, and thanks for listening. <laughs> This is Tim. Uh, <laughs> this is Pete. I'm, I'm just speechless. <laughs> Bye, yeah, this is John. Bye, Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.